And, uh, and just to give credit where credit is due, this series is based off a book by the author Andy Stanley called, surprise, surprise, Better Decisions, Fewer Regrets. So if you want to go ahead and buy that and get deeper into the content, uh, you may uh, do so. But the underlying idea is this, that by asking better questions, we arrive at better decisions. By asking better questions, we can make better decisions. And over the few weeks, there's five questions that we're going to look at. Five questions that when we're faced with a decision, whether it be a financial decision, a relational decision, an academic or professional decision, that if we can use this filter, this matrix, uh, these questions, before we make a decision, if we can ask these five questions, it will lead us or put us or position us in such a way that we can make better decisions and therefore live with Fewer regrets. So today in part one, the message is called Deciding Our Way Forward. Because we want to go forward in 2022. The past is there and the past may explain how we got here. The past may explain how we are the way we are. But our past, good or bad, does not have to determine how far we can go. If you've got some junk in your past, it can stay, it can stay there. Because it doesn't have to have the loudest or most influential voice in your life or how far you can go. And again, today we're laying the foundation for how good questions lead to good decisions. Good questions lead to good decisions. That is, of course, if we ask good decisions, right? If we ask honest, open, real uh, questions. If we honor, answer honestly uh, those said questions. And number three, if we act on those questions. It's not just asking uh, the good questions, it's answering honestly, which come on, let's be honest, for most of us, the problem isn't number one. The problems, the battleground is number two, which, which determines number three, right? It's the ability to ask, but answer honestly, and then act on those questions that makes the difference. Because here's the truth, and here's, let's just get real. Let me just build some tension into this. Here's why this matters, and you know this. You're an intelligent group of people in, in the room and online. You guys know this. You know the people who look up to you, right? The people who depend on you, who work for you, who love you, who are attached to you by surname, or who are part of your life as a friend, or a buddy, or a bro, or a sister, or a colleague, or a teammate. The people who look to you, their lives are affected by your choices and decisions also. And by your asking better questions that lead to better decisions, their lives will also be better as a result of our decisions. Why? Because we know this, right? We know it intuitively and we know it experientially. Because let's be honest, part of the reason why we even have a past is because our lives have been impacted by the choices and decisions of other people, come on, that we love and know. For some of you, how different could your life have been if your father was able to conquer the bottle and say no more? For some of you, how different could your life have been if your mother or father had stayed and fought for the marriage and not abandoned you? For some of you, how different could your life have been if rather than being abused and taken for granted and torn to shreds by the people that you loved, that they did what they're supposed to do and protected you and were faithful to you and loved you? Every single one of us in this room and online, we have a story because our lives are better or worse impacted by the decisions of those that we love 
and are close to us. See, you are not the only person to be impacted by your decisions. And not only that, but you're also not the only person to be impacted by your regrets either. And this can play out in a very real way in our lives. But think about it from a more kind of generous perspective. I was, just, I was just thinking the other day about the Irish Proclamation of Independence. You know, this wonderful document thrown up there, guys, uh, that, that basically kick-started kicked uh, the up, 1916 uprising and led consequentially to us being a republic. I was thinking, what if each one of these signatories had made the decision not to sign this document? Because if you don't know Irish history, every one of these people were shot because they signed into reality a vision for an Irish republic. Every one of them made a decision to believe in a nation that not one of them lived to see. But every single day we take for granted. Their good decision teed us up to live in the freedom that we experience today. What about Eamon de Valera, one of Ireland's greatest presidents and Taoiseachs? And obviously, this is a photo of him arrested at the same uprising, dapper-looking dude. Okay? What if Eamon de Valera, after being arrested and thrown in prison, decided, I'm going to get as far away from Ireland as possible? What if he hadn't chosen to become Taoiseach and ultimately lead Ireland out of colonization to become a country? The reason why there is an Ireland is because people in the past made decisions, some of which paid with their lives, so we could take for granted an everyday freedom. That we get to call ourselves Irish. That we're a country and not simply a colony. And it doesn't matter what country you go to in the world, what country you come from, good or bad, we're all living in, an, in, an, in a reality that has been impacted by the decisions, questions, and choices that were made by forefathers and mothers in the past. The truth is this. We never know, do we, who hangs in the balance. We never know who hangs in the balance of our decisions. I mean, we we, we make decisions every single day. And some of you right now watching or online, you're single people living your life and you're making choices that you don't even realize are going to impact and affect the person that you will be married to one day. That's why I always say as a golden rule, this is just for free, be the kind of person you want to be with. Like whatever you're looking for in someone else, become that person and more than likely you'll find that person. But if you're out there doing things that you don't want the person that you're going to one day be with doing, then don't expect to find that person and live happily ever after. Be that person. We're making choices that right now are affecting our future marriage, our kids, our grandkids. Some of you come from other nations in the world. The choice to move to Ireland has drastically, dramatically, and hopefully for the positive, shaped the story of your family forever. Our decisions aren't just in the moment choices that are good for us. Our choices have consequences. Come on, we do know. We know this. We know this intuitively because we've lived a while. And we're smart people. We do know, next slide please, that uh, private decisions have public outcomes. Right? I mean, it seems like what decision I make in private is my decision. It's my choice. It's personal to me. But eventually and inevitably, private decisions become public outcomes. The choice that we make in secret, the choice that we make savagely, have a determining effect and impact on people, part of our families that aren't even born yet. 
Like think about some of the decisions maybe your grandparents made, good or bad. And they made choices for themselves, not even knowing that you would exist because you didn't exist at the time the choices were made. But yet your life, your entire life, in some way is shaped by the decisions that they made. Our decisions have a lasting legacy. Which is why, again, we need to ask good questions. We need to answer them honestly, and then we need to act if we're going to live a life with better decisions and fewer regrets. And here's a special note, by the way, for those who are parents. Either you are parents, or grandparents, or aspire to be parents. If you're someone that's bringing someone into the world, or responsible in a foster sense, or an adoption sense, for other people, know this, that the most significant thing you do may not be something you do. The most significant thing you do may not be something you, but it may be someone you raise. Maybe your greatest legacy isn't your job, your career, your music, your dream. Maybe your greatest legacy is the person, the man or woman that you raise up in this life to be a great husband, great wife, great citizen, great human being, great Christ follower. Maybe your greatest legacy isn't that you were great, but that you were the mother or father. Of someone great. That takes humility, right? To say, hey, I have a responsibility for these things called kids. And if you're like me, you have a lot of kids. Too many kids. Too much responsibility for one life, let me tell you. That's why it's important to marry a good woman. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Because here's the truth. Your decisions determine the direction and quality of your life. Now, there's a Bit of a kick in that, isn't there? It's like, it's like eating some paprika or something. Because like, it's a bit of a smack. It's like, oh, nice, bang, slap. Why? Because in, in that statement, implicit in that statement, is a degree of responsibility. Because what that statement is saying is that part of the reason why you are where you are is because of the choices you made. So if you don't like where you are, I don't mean right now in church, although it does apply <laughs> to being here right now. If you don't like where you are and thought, this is a mistake, well, that's because you made the choice. And even if you say, well, that's somewhat true, but a lot of the way I live my life is a response, right, to what, a reaction to what happened to me, it's true because it's because of the choices others made, decisions others made in your life, parents, grandparents, spouse, so on. Either way, we are where we are because someone made some decisions. And those decisions determine not only the quality of our life, but also the direction. I don't know if you notice this, but oftentimes we say things like, well, it's not my fault, this happened to me, if you knew my story, if you knew where I came from. And the truth is, yes, like I said, our past does play a role in explaining how we got here. But a victim mentality is a very dangerous thing. And we may be victims in life of abuses and negligence, and we may be victims of, of, the, of, of the being recipients of, of poor choices. But a victim mentality means that we adopt the identity of a victim. And that can be dangerous because it leads us into a sense of entitlement, that the world owes us something. But the thing that we miss out is that every one of us have suffered. Every one of us has pain. Every one of us has known loss and heartache, and regret. Every one of us knows what it means online or in the room to be betrayed. We know this. And so in a way, we all have a story to tell. And we may tell that story, but we can't allow that story to control who we 
are. Because if we do, it sets us up for a different direction. Because, yeah, life happens to us. Yeah, people hurt us. Yeah, we are sometimes the product of other people's choices. But did you know that our response to those things is, in fact, a decision? Our response to what happens to us is, in fact, a decision. And a response, a good response, can create a better path forward than a reaction. We can react to what happens to us, or we can respond to what's happening to us. And very often, you think about this way, I thought about this the other day, I personally rarely have to apologize for a response But invariably, I'm almost always apologizing for a reaction. And what doesn't change is the fact things happen to us because other people make decisions. What we get to control, where we have power, is we we get to choose what will our decision be. Will it be a response, thoughtful, meditated, calculated? Or will it be a reaction? Because think about this. Think about reactions. Think about when you react negatively. In reaction or by reacting or or just reacting means that we relinquish control of our own story, don't we? Like when something happens to you, it's unfair and just, and you react rather than responding. It's almost like you've given the pen to your enemy and said, finish the sentence. Or depending on the size of the reaction, finish the paragraph, finish the page, or sometimes Finish the chapter. But the good news is that if right now you're here and you're heartbroken and you're destitute and you're beaten down and you, you, you can't go any lower because you've handed over the pen and it feels like your whole life has been written, understand there is help and there is hope from heaven. That God gives us the grace of closing a chapter because your story is not done yet. And there is ways, this is why we're doing this series, to redeem and regain control of the authoring of your own story. But when we react, rather than responding, we relinquish, we give over control of our story because other people get to make up, other people get to determine by virtue of reaction who we are and where we're going. And like I said, reactions usually create regret. And part of the reason why we carry regret, part of the reason why you online are in the room, why we have regret, is because if we go back and we ask the honest questions and we, and we honestly answer them, the reason we have regret is because either we made choices, we made decisions, or decisions were made against us, and we reacted as a result where we should have responded, and that led us to regret. I'll give you a very real example of this, and I'm not proud of this. The other day I was out playing golf with my brother Sam, who's one of our location pastors. And, uh, you know, I don't get too much into golf because I want to bore you, but one of the things is that you don't hit people with golf balls. Are you with me? You just don't do it. It's just bad. And uh, there's this whole etiquette system in golf where when, when you're ahead of someone, you wait till they're out of the way before you take your shot, right? Because that's, that's a generally a kind thing to do. And if you take your shot when someone's there, it's like sending a message that like, you know, you're in my way, you're not playing fast enough, I don't like you, you don't belong here, I don't know what message, and it just sends a message. Now, if you take a shot when you're ahead of you and you hit someone, that's a bad thing. And so I'm playing golf, and it was the very first hole, so you can't really be playing slow in the very first hole, and these dudes take their shot, 
And all of a sudden, we hear a four, and it wasn't like a, like a dramatic four. Do you know what I'm saying? Because you've ever played sport like soccer or rugby or Gaelic, you know, when, when you kick a ball and it's heading in someone's general direction, you say, heads. Heads. Everyone goes, right? If it's going straight towards someone's head, you increase the emotion, and you say, Heads! Everyone goes, Chini Mac, where are we going? Like the bomb is coming in, right? So this person hits their ball and goes, four. So we're thinking, it's coming in our general direction. And all of a sudden, all we hear is, thump. I look back, and there's my bro after taking a bullet in the leg in the shape of a golf ball. Now, you don't know about me, because every week you see me, I'm so calm. I'm a sensitive person. I know you don't really notice about me because I come across so, you know, loving and all that. But uh, I have a temper, yeah? And, uh, and so I just went from zero to hero in what I was. Start screaming. I'll be honest. I start cursing at the guy. I picked up his golf ball. I threw it on the road. I was like, I'm going to kill you, slap you, slap your dog, slap your cat. Let's go. No one messes with the family. You know what I'm saying? I'm from Carlo. This is how we roll. And then after a few minutes... Everyone cooled down. And by everyone, I mean me. Everyone else was shocked. And I was like, I'm preaching a message on this next Sunday, you idiot. I mean, like, it's like, you're supposed to teach people this stuff, and here you are, pathetic, doing the exact opposite. And the pain of having to go with the rest of the game, still wanting to slap the guy, but knowing I was wrong. That's the difference, isn't it, between a response and, and a reaction. Reactions, we almost, as it's happening, we know, I'm going to regret this. But we're always grateful when we make a well-thought-out, wise, uncalculated response. In fact, you know, Stanley says in the book that in many ways, our ability, your ability to control your response is your superpower. Like, even when you feel you have no power, I can't, I can't control what's happening to me. I'm on the receiving end of other people's decisions. The fact that you can control your response as a human being is your superpower. Because you have the choice to allow the things happening to you to shape who you are or simply tell a part of your story. And we see this time and time again played out in history where great men and women that we adore and inspire us didn't allow their past to determine their future. It became a, a footnote in their story, but they made choices that chose to respond. One of the greatest examples for me is, is our Lord Jesus Christ. When falsely accused, ever been falsely accused? Betrayed by a best friend, come on. Uh, you know, tried illegally unjustly judged, spat on, beaten, crucified for something he never even did. Hangs there on the cross. And what's his reaction? There is none. There's no reaction, but there is a response. And what was his response? Forgive them, Lord. They know not what they do. See, our ability to control our response is our superpower. And your responses are decisions. And those decisions are directions. Never underestimate the power of a measured response. Because your decisions, your decisions determine the story of your life. And in many ways, 
you know, our, our, our responses, our writing, even though we think like, no, I was, that was a blip, that was, a, that was something that could be edited out, that was something that we can, we can forget about. No, no, those reactions, our responses actually become the telling of our story. Think of it this way, your responses are the steering wheel of your life. You can look left and you can say, I want to go left. I'm going to get left. Left's where I want to be. All the good stuff's left. All the happy people are left. Left's where I want to go. But if your steering wheel is pointed straight, you're never going left. Unless you're on a roundabout. In which case, to go left, you've got to go right. Think about that one for a second. Right? You know, our, our, our responses aren't just choices. They're a direction. As we always say in the lives, especially in January, our direction not our intention determines our destination. I'll say it again. Our direction, not our intention, determines our destination. You can leave here today and say, I am going to KFC, which, by the way, is that way. Free shout out to Kentucky Fried Chicken. But if you turn right and right again and start heading that way, you're heading to McDonald's, everybody. Now you can tell everyone you know, I'm going to KFC. You can post it, you can tweet it, you can selfie it, you can shout from the rooftops. But as long as your direction is that way, unless you walk on the entire earth, you're not going to KFC. Your intention, your desire, your, 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 your dream, the, the, the longing to do or become or achieve is not accomplished just because you feel it's determined by the direction your feet are going. And what I'm saying to you as your pastors, let's start 2022 with the wheels pointed in the right direction. Let's talk about getting in control of our responses, making better decisions and living with fewer regrets. Why? Because... The fact that our decisions determine the story of our life, as daunting and as challenging as that is, it provides us with an opportunity. The fact that our choices shape our story gives us an opportunity. What is the opportunity, you ask? Thank you for that very insightful question. I'll answer right now. The opportunity we have is we get to decide a good story. Now, you may think that, hey... That, that can't be true. Maybe you're pushing back and going, well, I can't decide that all the things happen to me are good. That's the point, right? I just, I just clearly articulate that. That it's not what happens to you that becomes written down in your story. It's how you choose to either react or respond that ultimately determines your story. You get to decide your own story. Now, for me personally, you know, growing up, I, I, learned, I learned this idea from my grandfather. My grandfather died one month before my first uh, child was born, he died in 2007, which was that, about uh, 15 years ago, uh, this July. And my grandfather, I call him Pappy, he was, he was a, a Scot, so he wouldn't call me Jamie, he called me Jimmy, Jimmy boy, like that. And, uh, and you know, really, really bright, intelligent guy, and um, he had this, I had this frustrating thing where when I would go to my Pappy for advice, because in many ways, you know, at a certain period of my life, my grandfather was more like a father than my father because my father was mental for a few years. That's a story from the other day. And, uh, and I would go ask him a question, you know, and, and it would infuriate me that he would never tell me the answer to my question. You ever meet one of these people? He would answer my question with a question. I'm like, no, no, I've come to ask you the question. Why are you asking me the question? And, you know, when this was like questions about, you know, what car should I buy? It was one thing. But when I came and said, I'm thinking of getting married. Yeah? 
and I'm 17. Yeah? Because I got married, if you don't know, when I was 18. I got baptized on a Tuesday, my leaving cert results on a Wednesday, and I, got, and I got married on a Thursday. It was what you might call a busy week. So when I come to my grand, I'm like, so, paps, I'm 17, I'm going to get married, what do you think? It's like, yes or no, right? You know, help me out here, you know what I'm saying? But no, he always asks questions. And what's so amazing to me is, is although very tragically he's dead and gone a long time, his legacy lives on because what he was teaching me to do was to make good decisions. Rather than telling me what he thought was good, he was trying to get me to create a framework, a process in my own mind for what makes a good decision. He was trying to show me in his own way that good questions lead to good decisions. And when we ask, and all counselors know this, when, when someone asks your advice and you, you ask them questions and you get them questioning, when people come to their own questions and then have their own decisions, it's always best because they own them. They made them. It was their questioning that led to their decisions. And the kind of example that my, I had of my grandfather that led me to ask the ultimate question, the kind of example I had in him led me over time to understand, to keep asking questions, always inquisitive, always curious, always asking questions. It led me to this, to this, this one kind of ultimate question, which has guided me the whole way through life in every, in every level, in every way, uh, no matter how complex life has gotten, no matter how out of control things have gotten. In fact, when COVID-19 started, the pandemic in March 2020, and I found myself, I'm on a number of boards, I obviously lead this church, and all this complexity, I always come back to this very simple, powerful, ultimate question. You know what it is? Here it is, very simply. I ask myself, what is the wise thing to do? Not what, I, well, not what do I want, what people think, or whatever, I ask myself, what is the wise thing to do? Well, to answer the question, we've got to def- define what we mean by wise, right? To be wise means we ask the question, what's best? Best as in right. What's right? What's the right thing to do? But also, what's benevolent? What's the best thing to do with other people in mind? Not just what's best for me, what's best for me and others. And therefore, what's beneficial for us all. And even though sometimes it may take a while for clarity to come, when we ask ourselves, when we're facing com- the complexity of life, and we ask ourselves, what's the wise thing to do? Very often, even though we may not like it, or as first may not want to do it, every single time we ask and, and uh, answer honestly and act on this question, it leads us to a place where rather than making reactions, we have responses. And rather than living with regrets, we look back with gratitude because we made a good decision. See, wisdom helps us to make the connection between well-placed, appropriately timed, thought-provoking questions and good decision-making. Wisdom is the glue. Wisdom is the bridge that connects good decision-making with good questions. Like we're saying over and over and over again, it's by asking good questions that we make better decisions, which by definition then means we live with fewer regrets. Now again, listen to me. I know you know this. We know this. This is not new. This is not some like, wow, I went to Laos Church today, I watched online, and my mind was blown. It's like this is common sense stuff, right? 
but, but we need to be reminded of it because we suck at it so often, right? We're always reacting and not responding. We're always relinquishing control rather than taking control of our narrative. And, the, and how do I know this? Because just like me, you've often looked back at a, at a regret, something you did that you regret, and said, I should have asked more questions. I should have asked more questions. But the truth is, and I know it, you know it too, that pausing to ponder can be difficult. Taking time to think can be difficult because sometimes we don't like what we find when we think. Questions can feel like questioning. Like processing can feel like an interrogation, right? Especially when when you invite other people into that process. Sometimes what began as a what do you think can feel like why am I under interrogation all of a sudden? I was just asking your opinion. Well, I'm just giving it. Well, it feels like an interrogation. Well, maybe it feels like an interrogation because you want, a, you want to force or manipulate a certain outcome. But when you look at the questions objectively, it points in a better direction. Come on, and just like me, what, what do you do in that moment? Well, defenses go up, right? It's like, well, I'm never asking you again. So much for helping me, right? I mean, come on. And as, as defenses go up, our, our ability to learn, our teachability goes down. But I want to encourage you today that we shouldn't allow our insecurity to rob us from the gift of good questions. Because well-placed, appropriately timed, and thought-provoking questions sets us up for better decisions and therefore fewer regrets. That is, of course, one more time, if we ask the right questions, if we answer honestly, and if we act upon them. Now, the truth is, we all right now, watching online room, we all have a grid for decision-making, every one of us. The choice even to come today, there's this like invisible, sometimes subconscious grid that we all have uh, about through which we make choices, through which we make decisions. And this grid for decision-making, you know, it may be individual to you in certain senses, but it's also like a generic thing. For example... Uh, next please one of the first questions we will ask when, someone, when a choice comes our way is will I enjoy this right come on and sometimes it's subconscious hey like just the other day just last night sorry I was speaking to Julian who's our kids church director and uh, does a great job leading our kids church uh, next door and Julian plays badminton right and I was saying like, tell me about badminton he was explaining to me I said you know what I, I think I want to go to badminton can I go and I said hey why don't you come on Monday night and I said, well, let me think about that. What's the first thing you're thinking? Will I enjoy this or will I not enjoy this? Maybe you're here watching online because someone invited you and you're still trying to figure out the answer to that question. The second thing we tend to ask is, will this hurt me? Will I be exposed? Will I be embarrassed? Will this cost me more than I'm willing to pay? Will this hurt me? Number three, will this hurt somebody else? Like, will my choice cause and effect that will mean somebody else will get hurt number four will anyone find out right this is an interesting one because this gets into the selfishness sometimes of our decision making that we literally ask ourselves a question will someone find out number five and if someone does find out what's my out what's my out if someone finds out how do i talk my way out of this if i'm found out Now again, it may not be specifically those five for every one of us watching online or in the room, but largely speaking, generically speaking, it's in this kind of, uh, you know, uh, region that we filter decisions. 
What we're going to do over the few weeks of this series is we're going to add five more questions. Five wisdom-based questions. We're going to add five more questions to our decision-making grid, okay? And by doing so, we're hoping that these five more questions lead us to better decisions, come on, and therefore we live with fewer regrets. Now, heads up, just be totally frank and honest, like the coffee, this requires... Okay, this requires one key thing because the questions in of themselves have no magical power. Okay, I'm not selling a handkerchief today or some trinket that you can put in your dashboard or put in your mirror. I'll make your life better. This requires work, but it requires asking questions, answering honestly, and acting with wisdom. We need wisdom. If we had more wisdom, our world would be a better place. If we could look back at our regrets and ask ourselves the question, if I had responded with wisdom rather than reacting with emotion, how different could that situation have been? And this is where, if you're watching right now online or in the room and you're not a Christ follower, this is where we need God's help. Because there's a promise in Scripture, in the book of James, that says if any person lacks wisdom, they should ask God. And God gives it generously. And so what we're doing over the, five, over the few, few weeks of this series, and the five questions, is we're asking God for wisdom to help us make better decisions and live with fewer regrets. So as we kind of bring this first message to a close, I want to give you one of the first scriptures that gives us wisdom, that helps us, that sets us up on this journey of 2022, that lays a foundation for, for better decisions. And it's found in the book of Proverbs, chapter 27 and verse 12. And the book of Proverbs, as it says, Proverbs, is a book of wise sayings. And the book of Proverbs was written by King Solomon. And why that's necessary to, to mention is because when God said to Solomon ask for anything gold riches power influence armies and I'll give it to you Solomon humbly and wisely said God my my role as king isn't to be served it's to serve the people that's a good leader right and so in order to govern your people I need wisdom and so Solomon asked God for wisdom. And here's a cool kind of side note. God not only gave him wisdom, but God said, because you didn't ask for all these other things, I'm going to give them to you as well because you're trustworthy. And so Solomon, as a wise ruler, ruled wisely, but he also wrote down in this book of Proverbs a number, a collection of his wise sayings. And here's one in verse 12. He says, and I quote verse 12, The wise see danger ahead. The wise see danger and they avoid it. But fools keep going and get into trouble. The wise see danger and avoid it, but fools keep going and get into danger. Now, like I said, I was very honest and open with you about my story on the golf course. But in that moment where I was standing there after throwing the dude's golf ball away, I had, some, I had already reacted But in that reaction, I had a choice. The train was about to leave the station, everybody. And I can choose the downhill path. And I can come in like a bull to the china shop. And I can go from being unwise, because of the difference, to being foolish. It was unwise of me to react in that way, but I hadn't quite become the fool. 
If I had chosen to see the danger and, and not avoid it by running down and escalating the situation even further, I may be in prison right now. And it may be funny, but it's true. Because no one who's born, no one who's in prison would say, when the minute I became a three-year-old, my ambition in life was to be in prison. I always knew from day one I was going to make a great prisoner. No one starts life with that being their ambition. They make poor, they ask poor questions, which leads to poor decisions, which leads to poor which leads to regrets, which leads to trouble. So even if you're here like me, you're thinking, well, I may not be wise, but I'm kind of in between. I may be unwise. We all have a choice to move towards wisdom or to move into foolishness. Another word for wise is the word prudent. And some translations use this word, the prudent. And the prudent means to be crafty, shrewd, and sensible. Not crafty in a manipulative sense, but crafty in a creative sense. To be wise means we're creative in how we look at things, how we assess situations. We're shrewd in the fact that we don't just, you know, naively step into things, but we assess. We, we want to be sensible. We want to we ask questions like, does that make sense? Not now in the moment, which is so full of emotion, but will it make sense later? In other words, the wise, the prudent, they live as if life is connected. The wise understand that the choices I make today, the decisions I make right now, the, the difference in a reaction and a response isn't just in the moment, it's a direction for my life. And not only is it a direction for my life, but it will be part of the legacy that I leave. Because people I love and people who love me, even though I may not know them yet, even though I may not even be born yet right now, will one day live in the reality of the decisions I make. The wise understand that life is, they can see, they look, they're thinking ahead, they can see the danger and they make crafty, as in creative, shrewd, and sensible choices that move them away from the danger zone. Today's decisions determine tomorrow's options and tomorrow's outcomes. The wise understand that what I, what I choose today isn't just a choice, it's a direction that can open up or shut down my options and determine good or bad outcomes later on. When the wise see danger, they avoid it. They don't ignore it. They don't explain their way out of it. They don't excuse their way out of it. They avoid it. Now, back to the text. We're told that in contrast to the wise, the fools, and by the way, no one's born a fool. I don't know about you, but that's good news for me. Okay? And, and no, one, no one has to stay a fool. Foolishness is a choice we all make by not being wise. You with me? And so a person who chooses to become the fool, the person who chooses to be foolish, when they see the same danger, or maybe they don't see it fully because they're not really paying attention, either way we're told, they keep going. They ignore the signs. They ignore the warning. They ignore the advice. They ignore the counselors and leaders and teachers and parents and spouse. They ignore everyone and they keep going and they get into trouble. Whereas the wise is prudent, the fool, we're told, is unteachable. They're naive and they're selfish. And whereas the wise live as if life were connected, the fool lives as if life is disconnected. My choices are my own. The way I go is my path. It doesn't affect anyone. If I'm not hurting anyone, then you've no right to tell me what you think. Well, you may not be hurting anyone now, but one day you might. 
because your life is moving in a direction. And none of us want to live in an igloo by ourselves in North Pole. We want to be connected in family and community and in friendship. And therefore, by definition, by by being connected, our decisions can't be disconnected because they're part of other people's lives. When we're in relationship with people, not that that they have control of us, but we're giving a part of us away. People care for us. And it shouldn't be taken lightly. And it shouldn't be taken for granted. Foolish people, and we all can be the fool, and we all have been the fool at one point, live as if nothing matters because my life is disconnected. No, no. What Scripture shows is that life is connected. And ultimately what God wants... (coughs) is God wants us to be wise towards Him. In other words, God wants us to be connected to Him because He loves us. He loves you. Maybe your earthly father has failed you. Maybe your earthly mother abandoned you. Maybe, maybe you find yourself in the world reacting, reacting, reacting because you, you don't know what it is to live under the covering of a good father who loves you, who does not judge you, who accepts you, who redeems you, who calls you, who invites you to walk with Him. Life is better connected. Wise people know that life is better connected. And the thing is this, the truth is, and we all know because we've all been there, foolish people know better when they stop and think, right? But the problem is, foolish people don't stop and think. <laughs> when they st- foolish people become wise when they stop and think. The problem is they don't stop And they don't think, and usually with that you can add in, and they don't listen. They keep on going. And by keeping on going, they pay the price. The train leaves the station. Now here's the bad news as I bring us to a close. The bad news today is that we all have the potential to be a fool. We all, here in the room online, we all have the potential to be a fool. But the good news is, at the same time, we all have the opportunity to become wise. What what I'm trying to do this series is I'm trying to bring in a journey. This series is designed to help you slow down and gain perspective so you can see and make better decisions. So you can see and ask good questions that lead to better decisions that set us up for fewer regrets. So my conclusion very simple today, guys, is let's be wise. We may not be the best, most intelligent, most bright, most rich, most, most anything, but we, what we all can be is we all can be wise. And God wants to help us this year to make wise choices.